Welcome to this episode of Modern Sales Wisdom with Jason Ng, the master negotiator. You can't negotiate on something before someone has agreed that they're interested in buying it. And if you are, and what I see a lot of people doing, particularly in SaaS sales, um, is they think that the only barrier to getting the deal is the price. And so they will go, oh, I, I can see you're, uh, I, I can see you're not sure about this, so let me knock 20% off. Will you do the deal now? Well, what that tells me as a buyer is, you've got more than 20% you can knock off. And so I will keep saying, mm, I'm not sure. I don't think that's really what I need. And then the salesman will probably knock off another 10 or 20%. I want to start by saying thank you for tuning in either on YouTube, where you're watching this, or you're listening to this on Spotify or on Apple Music, thank you for taking the time. And if you haven't done so, then please smash that subscribe button and leave me a like. It makes a big difference. And the more engagement we have here at the show, uh, the better it's going to get. So thank you for doing that. Now, today, Jason and I are going to be talking all things negotiation. It's going to be really good. It's a great conversation. And um, we're going to talk about how Jason got into negotiation why it matters to be in a position of power, how information is power and how you can use that and the different levels of negotiations or the different tactics which you can then use. So stay to the end. It's going to be very, very interesting. Jason, great to have you on the show. And I'm curious to start the conversation with this to understand how you got into negotiation. Well, uh, firstly, thanks for having me, Henry. Very, uh, very, very thrilled to be here, spending some time with you today. Um, Simple answer to how did I get into negotiation is uh, I've been doing it always, and, and so have you, and so has everybody. Um, we all negotiate all the time. Uh, I negotiate with my four-year-old son, also called Henry, not after you, to be clear. Um, I negotiate with him about his bedtime. I negotiate with my eight-year-old daughter about extra desserts. I negotiate with my wife over where we're going to go on holiday. To be clear, I'm least successful in the final category of those three. <laughs> uh, from a, from a professional point of view, um, uh, I started my career at Procter & Gamble, uh, you know, the, the massive consumer goods company uh, with brands and products all over the world in healthcare, beauty care, um, laundry powder, all these sorts of things. And I had a fantastic opportunity whilst working there uh, to work across many of those different uh, products. Uh, and to negotiate with some of the biggest retailers across Europe, um, Tesco's, uh, Carrefour, A.S. Watson. Um, and I'm not going to say it was all easy. It certainly wasn't, but it was a lot of fun. Um, and I made loads of mistakes and I learned a load from it and got, and got better and better and better. Um, and it used to give me huge satisfaction landing at a big, complex negotiation. Um, and that was my, I guess that was my introduction, uh, and then apprenticeship, if you like, into the world of commercial negotiation. And how do you think negotiation has changed? I mean, you've mentioned different aspects. I think probably negotiating with, I have two kids as well. Negotiating with kids is always, <laughs> um, probably universal and going to stay the same over generations. Negotiations in, in a lot of people listening or watching this on YouTube, uh, um, people working in, in SaaS sales or in tech sales. And obviously, the world has dramatically changed due to internet and uh, the 
the education of the customer. And how do you think it has changed in negotiation in, in that specific, specific aspect? The, the basics of negotiation, Henry, they haven't changed for millennia since the Egyptian times. Um, the basics don't change no matter what language you're talking about, no matter what culture you're, uh, you're, you're, you're working with either. Um, and the basics don't change if you're negotiating in the UK, in, in Germany, uh, in Dubai, in Tokyo, uh, Mexico City. Basics don't change. Um, and how do I know that? I know that because these are all the countries that I have visited and worked with around the world to do negotiations with and to train people to negotiate. Um, now, that said, the biggest change, I would say, since the pharaohs has been <clears throat> information. The information that's now available to you, to me, to uh, all of your audience watching is vastly increased uh, uh, versus people that were negotiating, as you say, even 10 or 20, even five years ago. There's a lot more information available. And why is that important? Well, information is power. And if you have more power in a negotiation, then you're going to be able to get yourself a better deal. And one of the most important things that uh, we help our clients to do when they come to us for help with negotiations is to assess the balance of power between themselves and the person they're negotiating with, and then help them to improve the balance of power from their point of view. And specifically how that can help um, when you are doing a negotiation with somebody is that it allows you access to different negotiation strategies. Most people think of negotiation as, well, if you do this for me, Henry, then I will do that for you. It's a classic. You're right. I absolutely use that with my children. Uh, if, you, um, you know, if, you, if you put away your toys, then you can have an ice cream, something very simple. But that's only one of seven different negotiation strategies. Just on the board behind me, if you can see, that strategy that I'm talking about there is one that we call the grow strategy, where you're both trying to grow the, um, uh, the value available to both parties. But that's only one of seven different strategies. And if you have more power in your negotiation, then that gives you access to more of these strategies. And the more strategies that you can access in a negotiation, the better result you're going to get from the negotiation. So if there's one thing I would say that has changed the most in the last few years or so, it's the amount of information that's available to the people who are negotiating. That does mean that you've got to go out and find that information and use it effectively. But the biggest change is about information. Now, looking at that, and uh, for the people who can't see it, uh, maybe because you're listening to this on, uh, on a podcast as you're walking somewhere, for people like us working in SaaS sales, we have a product, you know, a software product usually that we want to sell. We say it has a certain amount of value which we create or which we think it's worth for somebody else. What kind of strategies would you then, out of the seven which you've just mentioned, say is a good one to, for us to, to have up our sleeve to, to get ready for, just to, just to maybe departmentalize? Is that the right word? <laughs> Compartmentalize. Uh, <laughs> Choose. Choose one of them. Um, 
Well, look, the, the, the grow strategy on the whole is a good strategy, whether you're selling consumer goods, whether you're selling software, whether you're selling building materials. Um, because what you want at the end of the day is for the other party to feel happy, to feel satisfied with the deal. Um, and if you're offering them, uh, if you're offering them some value and they're offering you some value, that's a way that both parties can come together and, and feel satisfied with the deal. So the growth strategy is a good strategy to use generally. Again, it doesn't really matter what type of uh, business that you're working in. Um, what's more important is that you prepare effectively for your negotiation. Um, People view me as a good negotiator. I am a good negotiator, but I'm not a magician. Mm. And I often have clients coming to me at the 11th hour or even later than the 11th hour, uh, saying, uh, oh, Jason, can you, uh, can you help me sort out this negotiation? It, it, it needs to go live in two weeks. At that point, there's a limited amount that I can do. Um, because a lot of the value in commercial negotiation, a lot of the value in, 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 as a commercial consultant, a negotiation consultant that I can offer is helping people to prepare effectively for the negotiations that are coming up. Um, and when I say prepare effectively, I don't mean a couple of weeks beforehand or even a month beforehand for a big set piece negotiation, uh, Henry, you need to be planning six months ahead of time. Um, and, uh, I had, uh, I had to have a SaaS client who works in security information, a current client. So clearly I can't tell you who they are. Um, and they came to me with a big problem on their margins. Um, they were getting knocked back a lot by their procurement departments they worked with. Um, and they wanted to put through a cost price increase on some of their key products. Um, so they outlined the problem to me. And I helped them work through some of the things we talked about. I helped them work through the power situation between themselves and some of their clients. Now, with some of their clients, they had less power because those organizations were very big. But with some of their clients, they had more power. And I helped them to differentiate between what some of those were. Rather than using the same approach for every single client, which is what they were doing, um, I helped them to look at, well, maybe the ones that you have a bit more power with, you can afford to be a bit more aggressive. Use some of those strategies that were, uh, that, that required more power, uh, more on the, on the right-hand side of the graphic that not everyone can see, <laughs> uh, with ones where they had less power, we talked about ways that we could help improve that power. And then we talked about things that could go wrong. What might go wrong in this negotiation? What problems can you foresee even at this point from your previous interactions with these people? And let's put some um, actions into place to either reduce the likelihood of those issues coming up, or if they do come up to mitigate the consequences of them. Um, yeah. so, and, and that's how I helped that particular client. And there are a number of other pieces, obviously we did as well. Um, that's how I helped that particular client to successfully put through a cost price increase, um, for the services that they were selling to and, you know, some of their clients, are, you know, the massive multinational Microsoft Amazons of this world. Uh, and, uh, but that doesn't mean you have no power. It doesn't mean you can't get to a good deal. When, when I started going into software sales, that was one of the big uh, lessons, which I uh, got put into my head the whole time. Always make sure you're in a position of power. 
And for me, it, it was an aspect which I had to grow my mind into because it was I didn't think about negotiation before. I was always thinking about delivering value and create because I was more in a uh, consulting business before uh, rather than a sales. And uh, and it was it was quite a journey for me to get into that mindset. How would you recommend young people, people who are not too familiar with the concept of putting yourself in a position of power? Um, how do you prepare for these positions? How do you put yourself into that position? Well, it's interesting that you reference your your roles before as being more consultative than sales based. If I understood correctly, yeah, yeah. Um, and the sales part of of that change is really important. Um, and if people are thinking about appropriate mindsets when they're going into doing commercial deals, um, first mindset to consider is that you're taking charge, that you're taking charge of the process and the people that are, that, that are going into this negotiation, because there's lots of things that can happen in a, in a, in a cell and in, in a negotiation. And if you're not taking charge of the process, that means somebody else is. And that individual or individuals are likely to have their interest at heart, not yours. So if you allow them to take charge, for instance, of the time frame, that's more likely to be to their advantage. If you allow them to take interest of how and when the meetings are happening, it's more likely to be in their interest than yours. So taking charge of what's going on is, uh, is a really important mindset to take into doing commercial deals. The second thing that I would say is You've got to sell before you can negotiate. You can't negotiate on something before someone has agreed that they're interested in buying it. Okay. Uh, and if you are, and, and what I see a lot of people doing, and particularly in SaaS sales, um, is they think that the only barrier to getting the deal is the price. And so they will go, oh, I, I can see your, uh, I, I can see you're not sure about this, so let me knock 20% off. Will you do the deal now? Well, what that tells me as a buyer is you've got more than 20% you can knock off. And so I will keep saying, mm, I'm not sure. I don't think that's really what I need. And then the salesman will probably knock off another 10 or 20%. And then when I finally go, okay, I'm interested perhaps in working with you, Oh, but I need you to do this, this, and this, and I'm only going to pay you this. And that's a common trap that I see to your, uh, to, to the, um, type of person that you were asking this question about people just starting their career out in this sort of area is don't assume that it's your price that is putting off the other party, ask them what else they need. And if the only thing they talk about is price. Then you can have a negotiation, but if they talk about other things, you need to understand more about that before you just try and pull on that very crude lever of cutting your price. Cause as you cut your price, you cut your margin, you make less profit, everything, everybody, you lose, certainly the client might win, but you won't. Yeah. Another thing I learned, uh, when I started going into sales was preparation prevents panic. And, um, <laughs> prevent panic. <laughs> uh, I've heard three P's, uh, 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 with different words, but I'll go with panic. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, have you heard? I'm, Cause I, this is what I've always, pre uh, preparation prevents panic. Let's get prepared. 
Uh, well, we had to say it's, it's the same principle. It's just a, it's, it's different words than panic. Poor performance. Okay. With that preparation prevents poor performance. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I like the panic passage because that's yeah, the, yeah. The no, real, I like panic. I've never heard, heard that. I like that. Um, and uh, and obviously that starts really early preparation yeah. and it how you, I mean, not physically, but um, virtually take somebody or take a company or a project and, and move it somewhere else and you put it into the right framework which you want them to be in and then you start moving them adding the value and then coming to to and and the last thing is obviously the the the, the signature which is then the last negotiation but I figured the la the the best prepared uh, deals have had the least negotiation unless somebody completely different is doing the negotiation um and um but then you feel very good prepared if it's you have a, a purchasing department and, and at the end who really just you know the, the the people want the or the company wants the product then you just you just have to go through that form formality but is there a framework which you would suggest to put yourself into a, a good space at the beginning or because i mean framing is one thing is uh, which Framing is one thing, but if, if you're asking, is there a is there a, a, a simple framework for preparing for a negotiation? 100%. Um, good preparation is essential to uh, to getting good results in negotiations. Um, there's a number of different sub elements to it, uh, but there are three key areas that you need to think about if you're going to be preparing for a negotiation. Number one is about understanding their power. We've talked a little bit about that already. Um, second one is about predicting their strategy and some of their tactics as well. And we talked a bit about strategies, but this is, this is very much about getting inside the other party's head, trying to think about how they will behave. People yeah. often talk about negotiation as a cross between poker and chess. Um, and the chess part of it, thinking three, four, five moves ahead. I'm not a good chess player. I can barely think two moves ahead, but my wife's a very good chess player. Um, she runs rings around me. Um, and, and good negotiators are, are able to think about, well, what if the other party does this? What if I do that? What are they likely to do? And how might I be able to use that, um, uh, draw them more down the path that I want to? So not just thinking about the things that are important to you, but thinking about the things that are important to the other party as well. That's really key as part of your preparation. And then the final area is about detailing your tactical plan. Um, just something really simple, uh, such as thinking about your worst case scenario. Um, if the, if, so if you're selling something, what's the least that you can sell this for? Um, mm. because if you go and we call that a break point, the point beyond which you will break the deal, you will break your own P and L. Um, if you go beyond your break point, uh, you're going to do a bad deal. Um, but then. And what a lot of people then do is they focus on their own breakpoint. We don't advise you doing that. What I would advise you to do is focus on your estimate of their breakpoint. So if I'm selling you something, what do I think is the most, Henry, that you could afford to pay me? And that's where I want to focus my attention and time. Because if I focus on my breakpoint, I'm likely to end up at my breakpoint. Whereas if I focus on your breakpoint, you can still do the deal because by definition, a breakpoint is a deal that you can do. 
um, but I'm going to maximize my revenue from that deal. So that's the sort of piece we mean when we're talking about detailing the tactical plan, thinking about the numbers. That's where we get more into the poker side of it. What are the numbers that you can put on the table? What are the numbers that I can put on the table? And obviously you get there by asking good questions. A lot of it is it. A lot of it is around your research and preparation early on um, so that you can understand the situation that the other party is in. Yes. You, you mentioned at the beginning, it's about finding somewhere where everybody wins, you know, the win-win the scenario, um, obviously. Um, is, that always, is that always the best way to go? Well, if you're building a relationship, obviously, yes. But, um, you know, sometimes you think, am I stretching this? Should I go for it? Or is the other one stretching it? And I mean, we've had that. We've had deals in my past where we at the end we feel yeah we saw the deal but it was at the end of the day we didn't go away feeling great about this customer and you know you, you want to you still have to have the best customer experience afterwards because you're selling a, a SaaS product in our in the in the businesses which i've been in you build a customer relationship but if you feel like and it's also sometimes people take this very personal emotional i've i've seen that in 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 um in in my teams as well where people walk away and go like i thought we had a deal here and then they feel cheated is there any tips you can give about you know finding that point and also finding your personal stand into and maybe negotiation is just a negotiation and it's nothing personal <laughs> there's lots of things i could talk about on that uh <laughs> some of them would take way longer than we have today. <laughs> um but one of the things that i would say is is that you can there are two broad um, approaches to negotiation, uh, competitive and collaborative. A competitive negotiation is where it's a zero sum game. You're just trying to take money from the other party. They're trying to take money from you. Uh, what I gain, you lose what you gain. I lose, you know, a, a typical negotiation in a, uh, in the souks in Marrakesh, uh, you know, in, in, in a market somewhere. Um, the other style is more collaborative. Where, as you're saying, you know, and certainly service-based organisations as yours and mine is, um, you need to be thinking about the longer term, 100%. But even within that, and we've talked about a number of different strategies that you can use uh, across the two styles of approaches. The the style that you use in a negotiation can be very different from your strategy, from your approach. So you can have a very aggressive, competitive approach to a negotiation, but your style can come across as quite friendly. A, a recent uh, example of that in the news would be uh, Mr. Musk uh, and his purchase of uh, Twitter or X, as I believe it's now called. In the early days of that deal, he was tweeting things like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in buying this. I think I can do great things uh, with, uh, with Twitter. And, uh, but if it doesn't come off, then I will have to reconsider the position of my 9%, which was his shareholding at the time. Now, that sounds quite friendly, but one of the analysts who wrote about that particular uh, press release, or I imagine he did it on Twitter, uh, said that's one of the most, that's clearly a threat to dump that stock and to potentially damage Twitter as a company. 
So whilst the words he was using, his style at, at that point was quite friendly. I'm not sure whether people would agree at the moment that Mr. Musk is particularly friendly. Um, but his, his, uh, the, the style he was using to try to um, talk to Twitter at the time was quite friendly, but his approach was really quite aggressive. And then he went on to do more things that were even more aggressive about the company. Um, so uh, don't confuse style with approach. They are two different things. You can be, um, you can be pretty aggressive uh, and competitive in a negotiation, but come across as quite friendly and smiling. Before we come to the end, I want to say thank you, um, Jason. I think for, for me, it's always fascinating seeing how many facets these sales processes have. And at the end, obviously, the negotiation, a, a, a whole new world opens up. And I think there's been a lot of change, especially as one thing you've said, knowledge or information is power. Uh, it was something which which stuck with me and, and uh, getting yourself in the position of power very early. So thank you. For bringing that back to to my head and and uh, i will definitely use a lot of that more um but maybe one last question uh be before we come to an end and that will be if you well let's change the question you've got kids how do you teach them negotiation <laughs> <laughs> the real question would have been what was it that you wished you had learned early but now that you now that everybody knows that you have kids what do you teach them? Because obviously that's what you wish you would have known. So, um, you're not the first person to ask this question. Uh, <laughs> children are quite black and white. Uh, they, they got it or they haven't. It's fair or it isn't. Children haven't, you're certainly my children who, as I said, the oldest is only eight. They haven't yet learned how to, uh, how to distinguish between shades of gray. Um, and so their negotiation style tends to be quite competitive. Um, and they would, they would, they use, you know, if, if we're going to, if I'm going to analyze my children's negotiation style through a, through a commercial lens, they use some tactics that are, would pre probably be less appropriate in the commercial arena. They scream and they shout and they stamp their foot. Now I'm not saying that some commercial people don't do that. And you know, there are examples in the media of people slamming the table. And, and being very aggressive about it. And some people respond to that. At, at, at a, if we take a psychological uh, analysis of that, you, people respond to people shouting at you and being unpleasant because ultimately, whether you're a believer in Maslow's triangle or not, most people would agree with the point people want to be liked. You know, humans are very social individuals. We want to get on with other people. And if someone's shouting at you and being unpleasant and unkind, a common response from a negotiator would be to mollify them by giving them the things that they say they want, like reducing the price, or in the case of my children, giving them an extra suite, allowing them to stay up half an hour later for bedtime. Um, well, at, at, as you move into more complex negotiations in, in, in the world of business, um, there's many more facets of value often than just the thing the individual is focusing on. And if we come back to preparation and trying to get inside the head of the other party, uh, Henry, trying to understand what's important to the other party that isn't just the price, for instance, what else might be of interest to them that you might be able to provide them that's going to cost you less money? Is it extra support if you're working in SaaS? Is it, um, uh, is it uh, extra modules that you could plug in 
for the product to give extra benefit that doesn't cost you much more money. Um, these are the sorts of things from a business point of view that I want to think about. With my children, maybe I try and help them to think a little bit longer term uh, and think about, um, uh, you know, we're going on a trip to see Santa at Christmas. So uh, using some using some longer term thinking with them uh, to help them understand that there's more value for them to be had if they think about the longer term than if you just, just think about one, one extra suite to day. One thing I would say though, and to be absolutely clear, uh, I'm, I'm a negotiation specialist. I'm not a parenting specialist. Uh, <laughs> um, when I asked my daughter, I was uh, told my daughter the other day, uh, she had to go and brush her teeth. Uh, she looked at me straight in the eye and she said to me, daddy, if you give me a foot massage, I will brush my teeth. So what I would say is my kids are already learning from me. <laughs> and maybe I need some help with negotiating. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jason, for coming on the show. Uh, and uh, I recommend everybody to check you out, connect with you on LinkedIn. Um, I think that's the right format. Uh, to, uh, to yeah, LinkedIn uh, or our website is ampliuspartners.com. Um, uh, very happy to talk to anybody who would like help with negotiating either with their commercial contacts or with their children. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you for your time. Now we're at the end of the show, and I want to say thank you again for listening, for tuning in and watching this until the end. Now that you are at the end, there's probably something which you found good or useful about this. Maybe you want to share it with one person. At the end of the day, that's how these things spread. So thank you for being part of this community. If you haven't done so, then connect with Jason uh, via LinkedIn is a good method or watch his website. I can leave you the link down in the show notes and connect with me. LinkedIn and Instagram is probably the best place to connect and uh, get some engagement. Looking forward to it. See you on the next episodes. Thank you.